0: Jesus thanks for the opportunity that we have uh, to hang out together this morning for my brothers and sisters in Christ um, I'm thankful uh, for my friends who don't yet know you who haven't yet trusted uh, in your rest and your redemption uh, Father, I pray that that becomes reality uh, this morning that um, what we do as we dive into your word that isn't us just coming to listen to somebody talk this is you interacting with us through your text your spirit is here he's moving and so uh, do your work. Bring us to redemption. Encourage us where we need encouraged. Um, Father, let us experience you uh, in, a, in a new way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your Bible, open it to Ruth chapter 3. Um, if you haven't been here for a little while, we've uh, been in Ruth for the last uh, couple of, of weeks. We're in a series, and we've said uh, that the, the main thread line of Ruth Uh, there seems to be this tapestry that is woven through that reminds us that God's in control of all things. You guys remember the main theme? God's always... Yeah, thank you for the cheat sheet right there. God's always working behind the scenes for our good and for his glory. And there's this tapestry line that's just going through everything and everything that we've encountered so far in this book and that we're going to continue to encounter in chapter three and in chapter four is just going to keep bringing us back to this reality. God's in control. He's for his glory and he brings us along for our good as well. And what we've seen is that God has been working behind the scenes of a couple widowed women here, helping them to find hope in the midst of dark places in their lives. They are, uh, they've lost their husbands, they have experienced hunger, they've experienced the pressure of, I don't even know, like when I wake up tomorrow, I don't know where I'm going to eat, I don't know where I'm going to go, I don't know if I'm going to have any friends, I don't know what I'm going to do. Their life is somewhat in, in chaos up to this point. And when you don't know where your next turn is going to come from or where you're going to turn, there's so much angst and anxiety. There's so much frustration that can kind of begin to rise up in there. And really, at the end of the day, when you don't know what to do, man, there's no rest for your soul in that place, is there? Like there's this, this, there's rumblings that are going on inside of you and sometimes you know where it's coming from and sometimes you don't and you're just kind of like, man, I I don't know what to do. And there's this state of, Of panic or frustration that begins to show up and there's something going on and you you may not be able to put your finger on it, but I know it's there and I can feel it. And what happens is we find ourselves in this weird place of of trying to be faithful to, to God and to be faithful and just waiting on him to move, but at the same time, we don't feel like he's moving at the pace that we want him to move. He's not doing things the way that we want him to do. He's not showing up where we want him to show up. And because he's not doing that, what we end up doing is we try to work all the angles to our favor, right? Any any angle workers in here? Like, man, I'm a protractor on this baby. Like, I'm working the angles anywhere. Like, I'm trying to, like, you're not moving, so I'm going to try to figure this out the best way that I can. And what ends up happening when we try to work all the angles to our favor is that we become bootstrap people. We end up trying to find rest by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. And let me tell you, there is no rest for your soul in your bootstraps. How do I know? Because I've tried. I've done everything that you can other than follow God at times, and I've tried to become a bootstrap person. And bootstraps are a terrible place to try to find rest, an absolutely terrible place. And so this morning, as we dive into Ruth, and uh, particularly we're diving into chapter three. What we're going to see, I'm just putting all the cards on the table here from the very beginning, is that we were going to see Naomi try to find rest for Ruth. And not only is she going to chase after rest for Ruth, she is actually, I think, she is going to find rest for Ruth. And that would even get more um, dug out in chapter four next week. But as we're diving into chapter three, I just got to say, like, this is one of the weirdest passages of all scripture. Just, Just being honest with you. Like, we read this, and, and this is one of the most bizarre scenarios that you're going to read when it comes to the Bible. Um, we know that there's kind of been this back and forth going on with Boaz and Ruth. Like, like we're, we're people of the book. We read them. Like, we got some intellectual intelligence and some emotional intelligence, and so we know. I'm like, Boaz likes Ruth. Like, it's not hidden up to this point. Ruth likes Boaz. There's some of that kind of chemistry going on in this moment, and we know that Boaz is a stand-up guy. We know that Ruth is a stand-up kind of a girl, that, these, that their character is off of the charts here. They're, they're both the kind of people that um, if you're on the journey of looking for a spouse, this is the kind of person that you want. If you're on the journey and you've been praying for a spouse for your kids one day, like this is the kind of kid, or this is the kind of, of woman or man that you want them to bring home at Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like, don't bring home some chump, don't bring home some like, craziness. Bring home somebody like Boaz and bring back somebody like Ruth. This is what you're praying for. And so we know they've got character. But if you've already read ahead to chapter 3 or you're familiar with the book, you're like, man, this gets a little bit bizarre. It gets a little bit crazy here. And and the big question that gets addressed is straight in the very beginning in verse 1. Naomi, she's trying to figure out how to find rest. This is the the main question of the chapter. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? And we read that, and we kind of know what's already happened in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And if you're familiar with the book, you know what's going to go down in chapter 3 and chapter 4. And we hear what she's asking is, uh, shouldn't I find rest for you? Shouldn't I find you a man? Shouldn't I find you a place to call home? Shouldn't I find you security? And so if you underline in your Bible, underline or highlight or circle that word rest there, Because this is the crux to this chapter, and it's the crux, really, to to the book, trying to find rest and finding it in the the right place. The the word rest here, it has a sense of security, sense of safety, and and it becomes clear through the context that what she's talking about is not just like a physical safety or not just um, a a place of uh, security where I can go lock some stuff in the bank, what she's talking about is the safety and security that comes in in marriage. Because marriage for these women, marriage in the context, Ruth, she would have been protected from the exploitation and the oppression that would have been um, that people taking advantage of her out in the field. Remember what Boaz said to her? You stay close to my girls here in the field. You stay close to my workers because there are bad dudes out here that if they see you, they see your beauty, they're gonna wanna harm you. And so marriage for her would provide protection from oppression and savage dudes who were out there marriage also would have been providing an opportunity for there to be some permanence in her life like she's part of a family remember she's part of the clan of Elimelech and, and so if she's able to get married this would uh, perpetuate the line of Elimelech and it doesn't really bode much for us right now in this moment but it's really going to come to a head when we get to chapter four and so not only she's she going to be um helped from oppression but she's going to have another lineage She's going, to, she's going to be able to um, have somebody to call her own, and she's going to be able to um, have, uh, continue the line of Elimelech. And so everything that goes down here in chapter 3 is about Naomi finding rest for Ruth. That's the context here. So verse 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz a relative, with whose young women you were? see he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor but don't make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking but when he lies down observe the place where he lies then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he'll tell you what to do and she replied all that you say i will do And so here's the deal Naomi, again, she's looking for rest for Ruth. She's looking for particularly a husband for Ruth. It's been about six to seven weeks since the harvest has been going on, right? And so they're kind of at this moment where it's beginning to, to wrap up. And it just so happened at this moment, like we read about last week, that Ruth finds herself in Boaz's field. It just so happens that Boaz shows up in his own field While Ruth is hanging out there, and then they have this interaction. He sees her, and she sees him, and it seems like everything's going perfect in this moment. It looks like God is writing a pretty stinking amazing love story. A love story that Hollywood can't even rival here. And Boaz, what we learn about him is he's this worthy man. He's a stand-up man, and he shows her an amazing amount of kindness, the word that is used in that, uh, for this kindness over and over and over again is this loving kindness. It's this blessing, an undeserved kind of a merited, uh, uh, an unmerited kind of a, a favor here. There's this loving kindness that he keeps showing to Ruth. And oh, by the way, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Meaning that in the clan of Elimelech, because Elimelech has died, Boaz is in the line to step up and take responsibility for both of, of these women and to help come alongside of them and to provide for them. And so we see from behind the scenes last week, behind the scenes the week before, God is at work. He is weaving an amazing tapestry even though they may not be able to see it at the time. And he's working amazing things in our lives all the time when we when it doesn't even feel like he's working things together. But Naomi, maybe maybe we have a Naomi in here. Naomi She doesn't seem to be one of the the laid back, let's just kind of take it as it goes, kind of a mother-in-law, does she? Like she is a, let's take take this thing by the horns and let's get after it. Anybody got a mother-in-law who just likes to jump in uh, around here? Yeah, okay. There's like one brave person in here because she's not sitting by her husband right now, right? So so she can say that, right? Like I'm not doing, we've had that mother-in-law talk. We're not going down that road anymore. Um, But some commentators say that Naomi is a meddling mother-in-law, like kind of gets in and messes with stuff. Some commentators say that she's the matchmaking mother-in-law, which feels a little bit weird for your mother-in-law to be a matchmaker, but that's the scenario that Ruth is in right now. And and so you have this mother-in-law, but she just kind of jumps in and starts to take things by the horn, and that's okay because there's this active part of our faith uh, of what it looks like to, to wait on God. You wait on him to move, but at the same time, sometimes you've got to knock on some doors to see if God might be opening up something. If, if there's a door that he hasn't yet opened that he's going to open, you just need to see, hey, is this the right door? And so what, what Naomi does is like, she's, she's a door knocker. Let's knock on some doors and see if anything happens. And, and some of us, you know, we'll walk around and, and you know, probably none of us in here, but we'll kind of walk around and say, man, I wish I had some money to pay my bills. I don't have a job, but I wish I had some money to pay my bills. And so like knock on some doors, get a job. I wish I had a spouse. I wish I had somebody to call my own. Well, knock on a door and, and see if somebody starts talking to you. Like, you got to get out of the house and get to know somebody. There's this sense of, like, that we want to wait on God like, to do everything for us, which we should. But there's also this act of stepping in faith. Like, God, is this where you're moving me? Is this what you're calling me to? Is this the thing that you have for me? And then knock on the door and see if that's the space. And if he clearly says no walk away. But if he says, okay, maybe open up the door and see what, see what's there. When I was, uh, trying to date Ashley, I was knocking on that door pretty hard. And, uh, uh, like I, I didn't come to faith until I was 18. I had a pretty rocky, um, dating history up to this point. Uh, it, it was actually, uh, pretty bad. Uh, I, again, I didn't encounter Jesus until I was 18. Uh, and then, um, I kind of gave God everything in my life. I said, it's all yours, but I held on to this dating world. Like, any, anybody just like, come to Christ and be like, man, there's this one thing you can't touch. Like, I can like, I trust you with everything. You can have my life, you can have my soul, you can have my eternity, but I think I've got it in the dating world. You know, that was kind of where I was. And, uh, but I still wanted to do it right. I was trying, I just wasn't good at it. I didn't know what to do. And so I went to uh, the Christian bookstore. I don't know if they're either even around anymore. But we're in Texas, and I went to the Christian bookstore, and I, and I walked in, and I said, I need a book on dating. Like, is there anything like that here? And I was like, you almost hear just people kind of chuckle behind the counter, right? Like, this guy doesn't have a clue. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. And so I, I asked them, and they pointed me kind of in the direction. I found a book on the shelf. It was called uh, Boy Meets Girl. I thought, well, that seems pretty fitting for, for a guy who's looking for a girl, right? Seemed like a good deal. And so I started to read, started to read it, and I was about halfway through it or so. And uh, I went into a ice cream uh, store down there, it's called Texas Star Creamery, and it was fantastic. And I was sitting there, and I was sitting there, I saw Ashley walk in the door, and I was like, oh, this just got better. This is a pretty good day. I said, let's, let's see where this goes. And so I started to talk with her, and, and uh, I realized, as we were talking, she said, I'm, I'm reading this book, Boy Meets Girl. I said, whoa, it just so happens that I'm reading that book too. Like, isn't this a great thing? I'm like, yeah, God, this is what I'm talking about. Okay, all I had to do was go buy a book? Okay. So I'm reading, so I realized we're reading the same book. What I didn't know is that she had read the book that this guy wrote before that it was called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Yeah. That's some, that's, that's some hard hoeing on that, on that road, right? This is, this is not good. And so I'm like, oh, how am I going to overcome this? This is a pretty big bummer. And so for two and a half years, I tried to get her to stop kissing dating goodbye. Like I, I, I tried to like start a relationship with her. And so for two and a half years, I pursued and I pursued and I pursued. I did everything that I could to try to get her to realize that I was going to marry her one day, two and a half years. Ruth is in a scenario right now where Naomi is trying to help her pursue Boaz Try to work every angle that she can work in order to figure out if Boaz is the guy that is going to be the kinsman redeemer who steps up and takes responsibility in this moment, and she will try everything. And there's some interesting instructions here that Naomi gives Ruth for when this girl meets boy. Okay, now it's not uncommon at the time for a, uh, a mother in law or a dad or a parental figure. To try to arrange a marriage. that This is not uncommon. This is normal. It was normal then. It's normal uh, anywhere outside of America. Like an arranged marriage is, is pretty common. We've got some uh, friends from India uh, that you guys know who have been here. Like they've been a part of arranged marriages and they're going fantastically. And they've said, we will probably arrange our marriage for our kids too. This is just how we do it. It's culturally how we do. So it wasn't uncommon for this to go down the way that it was going down. She was trying to find a good suitor um, for her daughter in law here. But this method that Naomi gives seems pretty suspect and iffy when, when we read it on the surface here. She says, I happen to know that Boaz is going down at the threshing floor tonight. Well the the threshing floor was the place in the community um, during uh, harvest is where everybody would take their, their grain or whether it be barley or whether it be wheat, they would take it down to the threshing floor and it was a place that was kind of elevated um, in the community, kind of elevated on a hill so that when a breeze came through, they could blow the chaff out of the way. And so they would take a fork and they would throw the grain or throw the chaff up in the air and then just, w- there's Boaz right there, this pretty old picture, um, but there he is. He's doing his work. It's not quite as dreamy as I thought he would be in the book, though. Um, but there he is. He's on the threshing floor. He's doing the work. And so they would throw it up in the air. The breeze would come through. It would take the chaff out. The grain would fall to the ground. And that's what they wanted. They wanted this heap of grain. They would actually use the chaff that blew away later for some other things. But the grain, that was, that's what they were going after. And so not everybody, though, like in the community was good dudes. Like the thing about the threshing floor, what was unique, is that it was, kind of became like a harvest party. So, you know, it's the time of the year where everybody is bringing in um, the the harvest. And they're excited, right? Like, if these are God-fearing people, they are trusting God. They are thanking God for the harvest that's come in. And so the community gathers at the threshing floor, and they're having this big party. But again, not everybody at the party is a good dude. And so what would happen is as they're threshing the, the grain... They would have these, they would have the, their own little um, piles or their heaps that would take place. And then the person who be- owns that field or owns that grain, they would sleep by those piles so that nobody would come in and steal what they were working at. So she knows that Boaz is going to be down here at the heap sleeping so that nobody comes in and steals his stuff. Um, so Naomi says, I know that Boaz is going to be there tonight. So clean yourself up. Go take a shower Put on some perfume. Let him know that you're available. This is kind of an interesting scenario. But what Naomi is telling her, uh, some commentators say that um, she might be referring to, like, she lost her husband. And so the clothes that she's been wearing are clothes of mourning, like a gown of mourning. And so um, what you would do if you lost somebody, you would put on something. So your exterior would display what was going on inside on the interior in your heart. Like, you were in a time of mourning. And so it could be that she was telling, um, uh, Nate, or telling Ruth that, hey, now's the time. Like, you've mourned for long enough. It's time to take the old garments off. Go wash yourself. Go put on the best perfume that you can find. Go put on something that says, now I'm available. Now I'm, I'm back on the market. Let him know that you're no longer in this mourning period. That, that could very well be. But what she's telling her is like, hey, show up there. Let him know that you're interested in him. And that's not the weird part right? I mean, it's a little bit weird, you know, in a a culture where usually the dude pursues and that kind of thing. Like this a little bit interesting, but this isn't the the interesting thing. The weird part is getting ready to come here. Naomi says, go down to the threshing floor and after he's eaten and drank, there's some commentators will read this modern, modern scholarship or movies or whatnot. They'll, they'll interpret this as um, Boaz is going down and getting drunk. That this, like he was getting drunk, and so he's, it would be very easy for Ruth to show up and kind of take advantage of the situation. But that says nothing to the character that Boaz has already shown. It says nothing to the character that Ruth has already shown. So that's not what's going on here in the context. Context is very important here. So there's nothing that suggests that Naomi is saying, hey, wait till he goes out and gets drunk. Um, some people think that, but that's not the character. What she's saying is, wait till he's eaten, and then he falls asleep, and then go uncover his feet and lay down by his feet. What? Is, is that how your wife got you, man? That he's like, show up down at your feet? Like, this is weird. Like, this is a weird scenario. Like, what are you telling me? You want me to do what? Like, this is insane. Like, I was good with the shower. I was good with go changing my clothes. I was good with putting on some pretty smelling perfume. But like, go lay down at his feet? What are we talking about here? And there's all kinds of reasons that Ruth would have wanted to say no to this. Um, There's at least one that would just say, just because this is weird. I don't want to do that because it's weird. But there's some other things that she would have wanted to say no to as well. It was common that prostitutes would show up down at the threshing floor as well. So that there were men who were available, they were tired, they have been working on the fields. Um, some of them were drunk, and so prostitutes would just show up and have their way with the men. If you want to, you know, window into that, you can look at Hosea chapter 9. God speaks against that kind of action. Um, but she's like, don't label me with the prostitute. Like, I, I, I'd say no for, for that reason. I'm not, I'm not going to be in that space. And so Naomi, she's looking to try to find rest and security for Ruth. And Ruth could have very easily said, man, that's not happening. That's what prostitutes do. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. No, thank you. I may be a Moabite from Moab and I've got a history and a past, but I'm still a lady and I'm not gonna be treated like that. I'm not gonna put myself out like that. And I don't want anybody in the community to perceive something that is not true of me. I have your people, my people, your God, my God. I don't wanna be perceived as someone who doesn't know who God is. And so very easily could have said, no, here. But that's not what Ruth says. In verse 5, she actually says something quite different. She says, all that you say, I will do. I'll do it. If you're asking me to do this, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, this is, again, the loyalty of Ruth showing up again and again. And he, this doesn't make sense to me, but I'll, I'll do it if this is what you think will work. And so verse 6 so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, this is where people think, well, Boaz was, was drunk. Again, it, this is, he's had a good time at the party. He's had a celebration and he's fallen asleep. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled, I bet he was, and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, <clears throat> may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. <clears throat> and now, my daughter, don't fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it's true that I'm a redeemer, yet there's a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So you have this crazy scenario, right? Like Boaz, and you've got Ruth, and Naomi. said, This is how you're going to get the guy. And she's like, are you serious? And, And she's like, okay, if you ask me, I'll do it. And she does. She goes down, and as crazy as it was, she goes through it. Boaz falls asleep, she goes in, she uncovers his feet, and she lies down there. It's just so bizarre. Now, I'm guessing there are probably scenarios in your life where you've just kind of walked through some, some like you're trying, like, do I go left? Do I go right? I don't, I don't know how to make heads or tails of what's going on here. So, so what's going on? And, and God is like, hey, this is how I'm going to open. This is how I'm going to provide for you. This is how I'm going to take care of you. You're like, nah, that makes sense, so let's try this over here. No, like, this is, this is how I'm going to do it. No, no, it doesn't make sense, so I'm going to go over here. I'm sure there were some times where you thought that you knew, this is how God is supposed to work. This is the box that I have him in. But yet, he's saying, no, I'm going to work outside of that box. And then when you look back at your story about how he came through, like, I totally didn't see that happening. That, even though that was bizarre, I did not see that happening. And I'm guessing that the route that God was choosing for rest for Ruth, this wasn't on her radar either. But here she is. She's laying at the feet of Boaz in the middle of the night, hoping that she's the only person that knows that she's there. She and Boaz, because if somebody else realizes that she's down at the threshing floor with Boaz at his feet and the town hears about this, this is going to become a much bigger deal than what it actually is right now. And so when you read this, you have to read it in context. Because if you were to take this out of its context, you could come to some pretty uh, um, messed up in the gutter conclusions. And again, Modern movies, modern scholarship will try to make Ruth out to be some type of prostitute or try to make her out to be some kind of sleazy girl who's out here doing something that she's not supposed to be doing. But when we put it in our context, we realize that this isn't going into the gutter. This isn't going to a bad place. She is going to Boaz and saying, will you redeem me? Will you redeem my family? She's putting what she knows about who God is and his faithfulness and the hope that she has. She's putting it on Boaz and saying, I am asking to come under your protection to be a part of, of your family. And we know that Boaz is of, of high moral value. We know that she's of high moral value, so it doesn't go into the gutter like some people would like to, to try to make it, per, to perceive it as. Um, this is uh, also, it's definitely not one of those, those things that you look at and say, well, this is probably how we should date, <laughs> And this this is, this is like, this is prescriptive for everything that we do. If you're, if you're a young gal in here and you're looking for a dude, probably don't go down to his feet while he's asleep and uncover his feet, right? This is, this is probably not how you should do it. Or if you're, if you're your dude in here is looking for a spouse or a mate, you probably shouldn't be like, hey, just come hang out at my feet and this should like, we'll make this thing work. Like this is descriptive. This is how this happened. It's not, this is how you should date and how you should get a mate for the rest of your life. This is not how this works. This is God working through Naomi to give her hope, working through Ruth to provide hope. This is God working behind the scenes, and and so this is definitely not um, prescriptive for all of us. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I don't have to keep beating that drum, I don't think. So you got Ruth, she's laying there, and I feel like I would have loved to have been a fly down at the threshing floor at this moment right, to see how this thing goes down. Like, like, like when you're reading the Bible, don't you just be like, man, I'd love to see how that actually played out. I can get my mind around what I think it would be like, but to actually be there, because Boaz gets scared to death here in verse 8. It says, at midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? Man, I just would love to see that. I watch these videos that pop up on social media or whatnot, and uh, like somebody jumps out and scares somebody, and I can't help but laugh, man. It just, it cracks me up because I like that kind of stuff until it happens to me, right? I don't like being scared like that, but I like to scare other people. Um, like my, my kids will come in in the middle of the night, sometimes when I'm asleep, when they're not waking up their mama, they'll come to, to my side, and they'll stand right in front of my face, and, and then like you're like, you're in the middle of a dream, right? You're like, I don't know what's going on right now. And then you wake up, and you can just, like, make out the hint of a shadow in front of you, like, and you about jump out of your skin. Like, it got, kind of gives you a heart attack, right? And, and, and then, like, you try not to hit your kids and, like, scare them too, but, no, I, I've never re- hit my kids like that, okay? But that's the scenario. But as he wakes up, and there's someone lying down at his feet, and it's like he jumps. It's like, hey, who are you? Who's there? I don't have anything. I, like, you, I got nothing to take. Actually, I've got a little bit of mace. Better get back kind of a deal. But Ruth, the way that she responds, she says, it's me. It's Ruth. It's your servant. She, she kind of knows her place. She says, I'm, I'm your servant. I understand that I'm coming to you in a really weird scenario. I understand that I don't even have the right to come here and, and do this. I, I understand that this is way outside of, of the bounds, but I am... Your servant. Would you spread your wings over your servant? For you are a redeemer. Underline the word wings there. Because this is the same wording that Boaz uses in chapter 2, verse 12. When he realizes that Ruth has left Moab and come back to this place. Looking to say, your people are my people. Your God is my God. And she's made a stake on who God is. And his goodness and his redeeming plan. And he says, you came back here. And you've put your faith in God. You are so faithful to, to your mother-in-law. But what you've done is you've staked the claim on who God is. And you've come under the wing of his protection. And so what, what Ruth is doing is she's coming back and saying, Hey, remember what you said about the wing of protection? The, that I could come and find protection in God? Well, I think God might be using you to be the real person of protection for me. Like I'm coming and asking you if I could come under your wing of protection, if God might be providing for me and for my family through you. And so she's kind of in this scenario with him, and Boaz is kind of on the spot. And I, and I think God does this, right? I think he does this quite often. He works behind the scenes for all of his glory, for our good, but one of the ways that he does this is that he uses people like you and me to show up in people's lives. like. You are under the wing of my protection, but I am going to use so-and-so to help give you rest. I'm going to use so-and-so to help bring some relief uh, into your life. God loves to carry out his loving kindness to his children through people like you and me. He presents opportunities for you and me to say yes to, and for you and me to step into and be the wing of his protection, to honestly, to be a Boaz in somebody else's life. Now, Ruth was saying, could I come under the wing of your protection? Would you provide for me? When you look at your scenarios, and you look at the people in your life, and is there anybody that's running to you that you just see, man, they need rest, man, I just need rest. Everything in my life is chaotic, everything is rough, and that God has strategically put you in their life to say, I'm not your rest. But God can use me to help give you rest. You need money for rent? I got you. Come under the wing of my protection. You need need somebody to come inside around you to give you some emotional support? Come under the wing of my protection. I've got you. Letting God use you to be a Boaz in somebody else's life. Now here's the deal. You are not God. You are not the rest. You are providing the rest that God gives somebody by coming alongside of them. God is clearly the wing of protection And Ruth is saying, Boaz, you are the way that God is choosing to give my family rest. Would you be my kinsman redeemer? Would you give us rest? You know what she's saying? She's saying, will you marry me? Will you marry me? I mean, it's a little interesting, but she's down on one knee at his feet. Will you marry me? And what she's doing is saying, Will you hold to the truths that I'm learning about as a God-fearing woman? Would you hold to the realm of kinsman redeemer? Would you redeem my family? And Boaz is shocked, right? He's shocked for all kinds of reasons. Well, he's shocked because there's a gal down at his feet, for one thing. He, he's shocked that, that Ruth has just been this amazing, um, loving, and kind person to Naomi. Like She didn't have to do Like She came from Moab to be with to, to be with. Ruth, to, or to be with Naomi, to walk alongside of her, to be God's loving kindness around her. And he's shocked by that. He said, but this kindness is even greater than the kindness you've already showed before. Not only, like you continue to show up for your mother-in-law. You continue. She's trying to provide rest for you, but you're trying to provide rest for her. But not only that, he, he knows that he's an older fellow. He's like, man, like you could you have any young buck out here in the field that you want. You can have anybody, and you notice how he keeps calling her daughter, daughter, daughter. There's an age gap between them. And so he, he understands that. He's like, man, your character had just shines around here. Everybody in town, they know how amazing you are. You could have any of these guys out here that you want. But the fact that you would choose me, this old geezer, to, to love and to come and, and help you, man, I mean, that is just absolutely amazing to me. God bless you. You can have anyone you wanted, but you are following God, the God of this land, and his law to follow through with the kinsman redeemer. What a blessing you are, not only to me, to everybody else around us. And you know what he says? He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll marry you and bring you into my family. Um, we've been sending out uh, the, the Right Now Media uh, study on Ruth throughout the, the connections, and there's a gal named uh, um, Bianca who is, is teaching this. And in this uh, part of the text, she says, do not fear, Boaz is here. And so Boaz is showing up here to be the kinsman redeemer, but he says, there's a catch. There was somebody else who's just a little bit closer, but I'm not going to stop until the rest that you are seeking is the rest that I can give. I'm going to give him the opportunity. I think I may work it in just such a way that I can, that I can bring you into my family, but I'm going to go through the way the I'm going to fault. There's a way that this is supposed to happen. I'm going to go through the way it's supposed to happen, but the way that you love me, I also love you. We're going to make this thing work. And there's this sense that he just says, man, I'm not resting until I give you rest. And so uh, Ruth goes home uh, after, uh, like he gives her just a bunch more grain again, just like he's already given her. He just continues to bless her for being a blessing to him. And she goes home and she, g- she gives it to Naomi. She's like, tell me everything. And so he, she tells her everything that just went down. And here's what Naomi says. She says, Verse 18, she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Now now think about Naomi and the journey that she's been on. Like she has gone from, I can't even see any good about God in my situation. I am in despair. I am bitter. I am Mara. And then you see a little hope. And then you see a relationship starting. And she's like, he's going to take care of it today. He's not not going to stop until we have rest. He's going to do this. And this bitter woman, you start to see, okay, God's doing something. God's doing something. He's at work here. He's going to redeem us. Man, I I don't know how you read the scriptures. I don't know how you, but if you're in a scenario where you just see, man, my world is dark, and I can't see how God would ever do anything good in my life. Look at Naomi. Look at Ruth. These are two women who were in utter despair, who now have not only a glimmer of hope, but the whole room starting to shine, and it's happening. God is doing amazing things here. So when you look at your scenario and you say, man, my circumstances are tough, my circumstances are just, I can't believe that God would have me in this. The temptation for us is to believe that nothing good could come. The temptation is to never look at any of the positive that God could bring out of it. And, and So what I want to ask you to do is like just think, where are the potential areas where light is beginning to come in your darkness? Whatever the circumstance is, whatever the situation is, is there something that God might be doing that maybe you can't see yet, but there's a glimmer of light beginning to show up. There's a flicker that's starting to turn into a flame, and, and, and you're starting to have a little bit more confidence. You don't know if you can trust completely yet, but you're starting to have a little bit more confidence that God might be at work and he might be bringing around a little bit of rest into my life. Now, here's the reality. Your whole situation doesn't have to change in order for you to have rest. Because we're not in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament. Ruth was banking on the grace of God through somebody else. It's like we bank the goodness of God on somebody else and our rest and our redemption. Our rest and redemption has already been set in a person by the name of Jesus. Jesus has brought us not only a flicker of hope, but he came to be the light of the world. And this is a guy who comes in and says, if you're hungry, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you see no hope in your circumstances, if everything just feels heavy for you, that's great, because I've got a yoke that's a lot lighter than yours. Come and take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. It's not the same kind of burden that you have. Come to me if you labor, and if you're tired, and you're weary, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. What was the we looking for for Ruth? She's looking for rest. Where do we find our Rest. We don't find it in our circumstances. We don't find it in what's going on around us. We find our rest in Jesus and in Jesus alone, no matter what's going on uh, around us. You look at Boaz, and there's this sense that, man, he's not going to stop pursuing Ruth. His love seems to have no bounds. It's like the love of God for us. There's no bounds. There's no wall. We're going to sing a song in just a minute that's just going to be like a reflection of this. But there's nothing that he won't go through and didn't go through to give us the rest. And what he's saying is, walk into it. Walk into my rest. You can have rest because Jesus is your rest. Not because the circumstance change. You can have rest because Jesus is your rest. And when we trust in him, we find that rest. Would you pray with me? Father, our souls get heavy, our lives get heavy, our circumstances get heavy, and our heart cries out, I just need rest. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that if that's their heart cry that they would see the rest that they have in Jesus. If there's a friend that we have in the room who's not yet trusted in Jesus and found the ultimate rest that our soul needs and longs for and craves. I pray that this morning they would see the foolishness that appears to be the cross. And they would find grace there and rest there in Jesus. And Ruth goes to the feet of a dude to sleep. We go to the feet of Jesus. And I pray, Father, for rest for our people. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.